Section 3.3.2 God's Front Line and Satan's Front Line In the last days, the world is divided into the democratic world and the communist world. Because he had given Adam the blessing of dominion, God had to give Satan a free reign to create through Adam's descendants an unprincipled world. God has had to follow in pursuit, working to restore the unprincipled world to his side. When Christ returns to restore this fallen world to its original state as created by God, he will surely work to save the communist world. No doubt the nation to which he returns will play the central role in this dispensation. Korea, the nation where Christ will return, is the place most dear to God and most abhorred by Satan. It is the front line for both God and Satan, a place where the forces of democracy and the forces of communism collide. This line of confrontation is Korea's 38th parallel, which is drawn to fulfill the providence of God. At the point of confrontation between God and Satan, a sacrifice must be offered as the condition to determine the outcome of their struggle. The Korean people were the sacrifice, placed on this front line of battle to be offered for the sake of the restoration of the universe. Therefore, God divided the Korean nation, just as Abraham's sacrifices were supposed to be divided. This is the reason behind the division of Korea by the 38th parallel, which splits into two nations, one Cain type and the other Abel type. The 38th parallel is the front line of battle between democracy and communism. At the same time, it is the front line of battle between God and Satan. The Korean War, which raged across the 38th parallel, was not merely a civil war. It was a conflict between the democratic world and the communist world. Moreover, it was a confrontation between God and Satan. Because this war had worldwide significance for the accomplishment of the providence of restoration, the armed forces of the member states of the United Nations were mobilized for the first time. Even though participating nations may not have understood this providential significance, they were acting in line with God's will for the liberation of the spiritual fatherland. At the fall of the first human ancestors, God's side and Satan's side parted ways from a single point. Life and death, good and evil, love and hate, happiness and sorrow, fortune and misfortune, all have been divided from a single point and come into continual conflict with each other in human history. These divided realities consolidated separately into Cain-type and Abel-type worlds, which eventually matured to form the democratic world and the communist world. When these two worlds came into global conflict, it was centered on the Korean Peninsula. Religions, ideologies, political forces, and economic systems all came into conflict and caused great confusion in Korean society, which then had worldwide impact. This is because phenomena which took place in the spirit world unfolded as physical reality in Korea, the central providential nation, and were magnified worldwide. This outbreak of social and ideological chaos was a clear sign that a new world order was fast approaching. As Jesus once said, As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. When the disciples asked Jesus of the place of his return, he said, Where the body is, there the eagles will be gathered. Eternal life and eternal death collide in Korea, the front line of the battle between God and Satan. Devils, symbolized by the eagles, gather in this land in search of the spiritually dead, while the returning Lord comes to this land in search of the people of abundant life. Section 3.3.3 The Object Partner of God's Heart
To become the object partners of God's heart, we must first walk a path of blood, sweat, and tears. Ever since human beings fell under the dominion of Satan and came to oppose God, God has been grieving with the heart of a parent who lost his children. God has labored continually in the sinful world to save immoral and wretched human beings who are nonetheless his children. Moreover, in his efforts to recover his rebellious children, time and time again, God has had to let the most righteous and beloved ones be sacrificed to the satanic world, even delivering Jesus, his only begotten son, to the cross. God has been grieving in this way every day since the human fall. Accordingly, an individual, family, or nation who is fighting the satanic world for the sake of God's will cannot avoid the path of blood, sweat, and tears. How can we, as loyal and faithful children, be comfortable and complacent and still expect to remain the object partners of our Heavenly Father, who is suffering in deep agony? The nation which can receive the Messiah should become the object partner of God's heart by demonstrating filial piety. That is why it must walk a path of blood, sweat, and tears. Both the first Israel and the second Israel walked a path of suffering. The Korean people, the third Israel, have done likewise. Their miserable history was the path required of the chosen people of God. One can never be certain what great blessings such a path of affliction may eventually bring. The nation qualified to stand as the object partner of God's heart must be a people of goodness. The Korean people, a homogeneous race with a 4,000 year history, rarely invaded other nations. Even during the Kokura and Sila periods, when they boasted impressive military might, they used their forces only to thwart invaders. Considering that a fundamental nature of Satan is to aggressively encroach upon others, it is clear that the Korean people are qualified to stand on God's side. God's strategy is to claim victory after his side has been attacked first. Although countless prophets and saints have been sanctified in the course of history, and even Jesus died on the cross, time and again, God claimed victory in the end. Although Satan's side was the aggressor in the First and Second World Wars, in the end, victory was won by the nations on God's side. Similarly, the Korean people have invaded numerous times by foreign powers. God's true intention in having them endure these tribulations was to have them stand on his side and secure the final victory. The Korean people are by nature endowed with a religious character. Their religious inclination has led them to strive always for that which transcends physical reality and is of more profound value. From ancient times, when their culture was still primitive, the Korean people have evinced a strong desire to worship God. They did not have a high regard for religions which superstitiously defied nature or strove for happiness in temporal life. They have always revered the virtues of loyalty, filial piety, and chastity. Their fondness for folk tales, which express these virtues such as the tale of Shim Chodong and the tale of Chu Ha Hang, stems from this powerful underpinning of their culture. Section 3.3.4 Messianic Prophecies The Korean people have long cherished the Messianic hope, nurtured by the clear testimonies of their prophets. The first Israel believed in the testimonies of its prophets that the Messiah would come as their king, establish a kingdom, and bring them salvation. The second Israel was able to endure an arduous path of faith, due in part to their hope in the return of Christ. Similarly, the Korean people, the third Israel, have believed in the prophecy that the righteous king will appear and found a glorious and everlasting kingdom in their land. Clinging to this hope, 
they found the strength to endure their afflictions. This messianic idea among the Korean people was revealed through the Chung Nagok, a book of a prophecy written in the 14th century at the beginning of the Yi dynasty. Because this prophecy foretold that a new king would emerge, the ruling class tried to suppress it. The Japanese colonial regime tried to stamp out this notion by burning the book and oppressing its believers. After Christianity became widely accepted, the idea was ridiculed as a superstition. Nevertheless, this messianic hope still lives on, deeply ingrained in the soul of the Korean people. The hoped-for righteous king, foretold in the Chomgangnok, has the appellation Chondoyong, the one who comes with the true word of God. In fact, this is a Korean prophecy of the Christ who is to return to Korea. Even before the introduction of Christianity to Korea, God has revealed, through the Chomgangnok, that the Messiah would come to that land. Today, scholars affirm that many passages of this book of prophecy coincide with the prophecies in the Bible. Furthermore, among the faithful of every religion in Korea are those who have received revelations that the founders of their religions will return to Korea. We learn through our study of the progress of cultural spheres that all religions are converging towards one religion. God's desire is for Christianity of the last days to become this final religion which can assume the responsibility of completing the goals of the many religions in history. The returning Christ, who comes at the center of Christianity, will attain the purposes which the founders of religions strove to accomplish. Therefore, with respect to his mission, Christ at the return may be regarded as the second coming of the founder of every religion. When the second comings of the founders of the various religions appear in Korea in fulfillment of their diverse revelations, they will not come as different individuals. One person, Christ at the second advent, will come as the fulfillment of all these revelations. The Lord, whose coming has been revealed to believers in various regions, including the Maitreya Buddha in Buddhism, the true man in Confucianism, the returning of Chu Kloi Suan, who founded the religion of Chu Doyongo, and the coming of the Chon Doyong in the Chomgamnok, will be none other than Christ at the second advent. Finally, we witness revelations and signs being given to spiritually attuned Christians testifying to the coming of Christ of Korea. They are sprouting in perfusion, like mushrooms after a rain. God's promise that He will pour out His Spirit among all flesh is being fulfilled among the Korean people. As devout Christians make contact with spirits from various levels of the spirit world, from the lower realms to paradise, many are receiving clear revelations that the Lord will come to Korea. However, the current leadership of the Korean Christian churches is fast asleep. Spiritually ignorant, they go about their ministries oblivious to these signs of the times. This is similar to what happened in Jesus' time. The priests, rabbis, and scribes, who should have been the first to recognize the birth of the Messiah, remained entirely ignorant of it because they were spiritually blind. The astrologers and shepherds who received revelations were the ones who knew of Jesus' birth. Jesus said, I thank thee, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hidden these things from the wise and understanding, and revealed them to babes. He was lamenting over the spiritual ignorance of the Jewish leadership of his time, while on the other hand, he was grateful that God bestowed grace upon pure and uneducated believers by revealing his providence to them. In today's Korean Christianity, at a time parallel to Jesus' day, similar phenomena are taking place, albeit in more complex ways. Through pure and innocent lay believers, God has been revealing many heavenly secrets concerning the last days. However, because they would be chastised as heretics if they were to proclaim them in public, they are keeping these truths to themselves. 
Meanwhile, like the priests, rabbis, and scribes of Jesus' time, many Christian clergy take pride in their knowledge of the Bible and their ability to interpret it. They take pleasure in the reverence they receive from their followers. They are content to carry on the imposing duties of their offices. Yet to God's grief, they are entirely ignorant of God's providence in the last days. Section 3.3.5 The Culmination of All Civilizations Spiritual and material civilization, built upon religion and science, the quest to overcome the two aspects of human ignorance, must be brought into harmony. Only then can we resolve the fundamental problems of human life and realize the world of God's ideal. In the world Christ comes to realize, science will be highly developed. It will be a society with the highest level of civilization, one in which all civilizations which have developed through the vertical course of the providential history will be restored horizontally under the leadership of the Lord. Therefore, the spiritual and material aspects of civilization developing from religion and science which have flourished all over the world will be embraced and harmonized in Korea as guided by the new truth. Then they will bear fruit in the ideal world of God's deepest desire. First, the essences of all civilizations which developed on the land should bear fruit in Korea. The ancient continental civilizations which arose in Egypt and Mesopotamia bequeathed their fruits to the peninsula civilizations of Greece, Rome, and Liberia, and thence to the island civilization of Great Britain. This island civilization passed on its culture to the United States, a continental civilization. Then the direction was reversed, with the United States passing on its culture to the island civilization of Japan. Now these fruits are to be harvested in the peninsula civilization of Korea, where Christ is to be born. Next, the essences of civilizations born on the shores of rivers and seas should bear fruit in the Pacific civilization to which Korea belongs. The river civilizations which arose on the shores of the Nile, Tigris, and Euphrates rivers passed on their cultures to the civilizations in the vicinity of the Mediterranean Sea, Greece, Rome, Spain, and Portugal. These bequeathed their fruits to the civilization on the Atlantic Ocean, notably Great Britain and the United States. All these fruits will be harvested in the civilization of the Pacific Ocean, which links together the United States, Japan, and Korea. Last, civilizations born out of different climate zones should bear fruit in Korea. In the round of the seasons, living things begin their life in the multiplication in spring, flourish in the summer, bear fruit in autumn, and store their reserves in winter. The cycle of spring, summer, autumn, and winter is repeated not only year to year, but also day to day. Morning corresponds to spring, afternoon to summer, evening to autumn, and night to winter. The four phases of human life, childhood, youth, middle age, and old age, also fit this pattern. Human history, too, unfolds according to the seasons, because an aspect of God's principle underlying his creation is the harmonious seasonal circle of life. God created Adam and Eve in the springtime of human history. Accordingly, human history was supposed to begin from the temperate zone civilization of Eden. Then, in its summer season, it should have moved to a tropical civilization, in autumn to a cool zone civilization, and should have reached its culmination in a frigid zone civilization, analogous to the winter season. However, due to the fall, human beings were degraded to the level of savages. Instead of building a temperate zone civilization, they prematurely came to live in the tropical zones of primitive men. On the continent of Africa, they built the tropic zone civilization of Egypt. This continental civilization 
passed on its culture to the peninsulas and islands where cool zone civilizations developed. They bequeathed their fruits to the frigid zone civilizations of the Soviet Union. Now this current is the culminate in the formation of the temperate zone civilization of the New Eden. This should certainly take place in Korea, where all civilizations are to bear fruit.